0: Welcome back to the modern Sage podcast. I'm Leah guy, your host. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. And as always, please don't forget to leave us a rating a review and share it with your friends. It helps us so much to share and spread the word of healing and inspiration. Also, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook at Leah guy live and find us on YouTube as well on the Leah guy page. And today we are talking about a very interesting topic and something I get asked about a lot, Um, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you're self-employed, or if you're climbing the corporate ladder, it doesn't matter. A lot of people are uh, interested in how to succeed and grow more in their life. And this fear of failure or fear of success, it's a topic that comes up for a lot of people and it certainly has come up with my clients and in my work over and over again. And I have some interesting views about it today. And I'm excited to talk to our guest, who's a mental health expert, um, Divya Parekh. She is a certified mental health coach and she helps leaders and entrepreneurs embrace who they are with grace, dignity, and strength and bring joy back to their lives. Additionally, Divya has authored several books that help people find joy and fulfillment in life, and you can find her books on Amazon. We'll have the links provided. Welcome to the show, Divya. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Leah. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. A lot of people have fear of failure or fear of success. Mm -hmm. You know, to Mm -hmm. me, they're both a similar thing because it still stops us from doing what we are set out to do. The fear of success is ultimately a fear of failure because if we uh, you know, succeed, and then it fails, or we can't keep it up, or we don't succeed, that's still a fear of failure, right? Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. so, so what, what is behind that. that? What's behind that
1: is the self-image. And yes, this, we may be talking about that, oh, about the identity. So what happens is they have failed sometime previously, and because they have failed, they're identifying with that failure, that identifying with the emotions as who they are. And what happens is that, okay, let me just kind of go into the brain thing. So brain is designed to suffice, not optimize. And when I talk about suffice, is that, okay, if I'm learning something new, if I want to learn how to drive a car or how to ride a bike, it wants to automate things. So it's called automaticity and brain is cowering the environment throughout and now when it says that okay you know i have this great opportunity whether it's a promotion whether it's getting your book out and that's why 83 percent of people want to write books but only a handful of people write books (laughs) out of 100 percent of people who lay down the new year's resolution only 92 percent fail and I know it sounds paradoxical, but majority fails and only 8% achieves. So the reason is that we have a thermostat. Okay, so think about if you set the temperature, we, each and every one of us has an internal thermostat. It's at 78 degrees for somebody, it maybe it's 72, for some it may be 84, and this is not literally temperature. I'm used to doing this level of work. I know I'm safe in here. So this is the level of comfort. And the minute there is a knocking on the door where you've got to step out of the discomfort zone, what happens is the fear gushes in. And now this fear, if we go to the brain science, it releases all those hormones on one side, your amygdala. It gets ready that, okay, this is a threat. Like, you know, I got to step out of my comfort zone. And because I'm stepping out of my comfort zone, there's going to be disaster. Those are like thinking traps or thinking patterns that have been evolved, which could be, I should do this, or that could be catastrophizing, where you're predicting that some disaster is going to happen. And because disaster will happen, your brain pulls you back, don't do this. So all these chemicals are being released. And at the same time, your motivational centers and your executive centers shut down. And when we talk about executive centers is that you cannot make a rational decision. So that happens in microseconds. And because of that, people stop. The key is, does that answer your question? Why we do what we do? That's from a science perspective. And from a personal perspective is that not having enough confidence, if you were to put it down in layman's terms. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get that, not we having don't have enough, enough confidence. confidence. But with the science perspective of what's happening with the brain then, if our brain is just wired to you know, make something good enough or do something that will suffice instead of overachieve, how, do we, how does anyone ever get anything done? Or what about these people that are you know, achieving great amounts of, of works? How do we move past what the brain chemistry is saying? It's about breaking that barrier. So the first step
1: is mindfulness. And I know, Leah, you dance in that area so well. It's about having the awareness. Okay, I have had a thought. you got to clip it right there. you got to nip it in the bud. And what happens is that when you have that awareness, you got to also have awareness of awareness as to what is your next step. Because you'll find yourself doing what you don't want to do. So the first step is becoming aware that what is happening. And then one of the best things one can do is bring in mindfulness. And mindfulness, in my opinion, is creating that space. It's a conscious decision. It's a conscious decision where you know that you are not your thoughts. You are not your actions. You are not your emotions. And bringing in the non-judgment. And at the same time, there's a deliberate practice of breaking that pattern. Okay, I've recognized this pattern. What can I do next is that I will say the best tool for any human being is you can go to a dollar store, buy the colored pens that you love, get a notebook that you like, and just sit down and write your thoughts. So what you're doing is that rather than Being that hamster, you know, who just keeps on circling in its wheels, you're breaking it. You're creating something new. And folks, new habits takes a long time to develop. You know, before it was like 18 days, 21 days, it can go for months. Because any time a threat appears, boom, your brain is going to go into action. And now you gotta keep on showing it that you're developing a new habit. Just remember, take a look at any child. So they're they're sitting and now they start crawling and how many times do they fall? And Leah, you talk about acceptance. It's about the acceptance that you'll fail and having that patience and compassion that it's not just going to happen in a day. Think of your brain as a toddler. It doesn't know any better. And because it doesn't know any better, give yourself that space, that safe space to fail. And it's about yeah. continuous to taking, you know, small actions. It's the consistency and the determination that you've got to do, keep on doing it. And the more you will keep on doing it, you'll find taking more risks. And of course, I'm not saying that go jump off a bridge or anything like that. When I talk about taking risks is that, you know, I feel afraid because as they have said, I think so Zig Ziglar has said it beautifully that, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is facing that fear, moving through it, and then coming out
0: of it. Right. I think one of the things that's um, interesting for people to remember is that even when we want something really, really bad, like when we have a great desire for something, even when that thing is something that could potentially change our lives in a very positive way, that the body and the brain and the emotional center, what I talk about is that, you know, our patterning, our emotional imprints, our vibration, everything that we're addicted to and used to, it still feels like a threat. So something good doesn't mean it's just, you know, something that we can just say, oh yes to right away. You know, it's the same thing as positive stress. There's negative stress, there's positive stress, but when you break it down, it's all stress. And so when you're, what I'm hearing you say, when you were talking about, you know, potentially going after a promotion or getting out of your comfort zone is that that is still going to make the brain respond in a way that says, uh Oh, this could be dangerous. Let's not do this. And tries to find any way to keep you stuck. Right?
1: Yes. It's going to happen. It's, it's in your coping mechanism. It's in your response. Because see, what happens is brain says it, we react. Either it's fight, flight, or freeze. yeah. But now you're telling your brain, no, there's another way I'm going to deal with this. Um, for example, you could just be sitting and writing down your thoughts,
0: or mm-hmm. you could
1: have a simple thing where you are creating an anchor. Or if you are used to like, okay, dancing like you know music gets it so find a song that really works for you that fires you up and you play that song so your brain knows that okay this is happening so just like you're cajoling a toddler then they throw a tantrum especially oh gosh like I gotta tell grocery stores that it's so tough you know the parents are in the line and all those candies are smacked right there <laughs> yeah and then that, that toddler is like, no, I want that candy. I want that candy. And you're being patient and sharing with them. I validate your feelings. You've got to acknowledge and accept your feelings that it's going to come. And when you accept that, it's going to literally seep away the resistance
0: that you'll have to breaking those barriers that keep right. your comfort zone it's the same thing that happens, I think, in meditation, you know, when we just sit with that discomfort and just let ourselves be uncomfortable. So the fear of failure, um, you know, a lot of people talk about this fear of failure that's attached to our self-esteem and our self-worth and so forth. And so now we have two different elements that could potentially be affecting that one is this long held belief that we aren't enough, you know, and that we're not, not good enough. And then we have the brain component that's saying, it's okay. Just stay here, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. So that's quite a lot for a person to move out of. And, you know, from in my world, this is again, one of the reasons I really harp on um, us doing our daily self-care practice, our healing work, finding our core wounds, understanding where we've come from and the messages that replay in our minds subconsciously you know, emotionally, but what would you say to someone who really struggles, not just with the average self-confidence, but with that's debilitated in their, in their life from doing anything beyond the necessary obligations, what would you say to that person? And they so want to have a rich life.
1: So here's what I'll share is that sometimes you can do things on your own and sometimes you do need support and it's okay to reach out for support. And when I talk about support, it's so simple things, folks. You could just get a book. You could listen to a podcast like this. So it depends how much you wanna invest, how fast you wanna move. And if you're thinking that, you know, I wanna just do it on my own, then you can move just simply by reading books. So for example, I've got books on mindfulness and I literally talk about the biases that we have. And in mindfulness, it's like completely designed from a scientific perspective. I walk you through it. It's not just about meditation. It's also about understanding how your brain is. I don't go into brain chemistry and all that, but steps that will help you understand yourself more. So you can get a book and walk through it, or you can listen to the podcast like this, or you can seek out somebody who has walked the talk because it's so critical you know there are a lot of people out there who will make kind of promises but the key is doing research has this person walked the talk it's talk is cheap we can sit and advertise or we can sit and advise people we can just say that oh x y and z you know blah 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 but see how they're showing up and When you connect with someone, whether it's through a book or podcast or their TV shows or whether it is anything. So go about that and start with small chunks. Here's what I'll share with you folks. Brain, you cannot just dump like, oh gosh, you know what? I'm going to quit smoking in a day or just in one week. No, start with small actions. So for example, I'm going to share a story. So one of my clients who came to me was seeing therapists and and sometimes folks, you may have to see a therapist or a psychiatrist. I don't know. It all depends on your situation. It's an individual situation. So this uh, sweet, wonderful lady came to me. She is a corporate professional and executive. And she said, Divya, like, you know, I've been going for therapy for quite a few years lot of help and I would like to see how we could work together. So it was her therapist, myself and her. And what was interesting was she was doing everything and yet the needle was not moving. So then we sat down and we took a look at her goals. So here's the thing folks, therapist will not sit down and check your goals, you know, they're there to help you out get rid of your past traumas. And she did have past traumas. So not only we put some neuro hacks in place. So like one example, like neuro hack was that she was going to write about her thoughts. And now how she's going to write about her thoughts is given the time we have, we can't go into all the details, but she started writing her thoughts. We just took one step per week, a small step. And along with that, we put in celebration times. It was one small step. So for example, that she was just going to identify what biases were showing up in her thoughts. That's it. She would write her thoughts. So for example, she found out she was using should statement all the time. Not only when she was speaking to somebody else, also in her mind, anything. Let's say she would do a presentation and after presentation she would say, oh my goodness, I." should have said it that way, I should have done this way, I should have done this way. So she found she had seven biases, seven thinking patterns that were running. And in just that one week, she recognized two thinking patterns. The next week we did another two. So we took step by step And then what happens is that when your brain is not feeling threatened, when you're going at a small pace, when you go at a slow pace and doing small tasks, what happens is that it keeps on building your confidence in the long run and always invite people. Folks, think about a house. The longest time it takes is building that foundation. So give yourself that time to build that foundation. Have that compassion. I know we are so used to it oh, you know what? The internet is not showing up. And even if you're on a call with someone, I send you an email and it's not even a minute. Oh, the, mi- the email didn't show up. My apologies for that, listeners. So basically the email did not show up. We have become so impatient. So as you're doing meditation, so there are multiple things you can do. Start out with one tiny goal a week and along with it, have that self-care program. Now, that self-care program can be meditation, can be dancing with music, sitting with nature, whatever resonates with you, that's the key. And as you do, celebrate every milestone because remember folks, it's not a destination, it's a journey and as you continue achieving those little milestones, you'll be building your confidence. And as you build your confidence, you'll find that you'll be able to continue breaking the barriers. And as you continue breaking the barriers, achieving more and more of your results.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. I often talk to people about, um, you know, learning to trust oneself in order to build confidence. And the more that we do whatever kind of action steps or activities or, even practicing with our own thoughts and our mindfulness, you know, then there's the part of us that begins to trust that we are worth taking care of. We are worth paying attention to. We are worth um, celebrating. We are worth sacrificing when we're giving the energy to that. So I think that that's really um, helpful for people. And so for someone who really is, striving and maybe they're in their stride of their career, their life in their prime, if you will. And, you know, just like a diet, a lot of people feel like they flatlined and they've plateaued and they, you know, kind of, I think, well, from my experience and from, you know, people that I, that I work with, I think as we get into like our middle age years, it's very, it's important that we pause and take stock of where we've been and where we'd like to go. And it's a really important time, I think, to consider, you know, our values, what we want out of life, what we used to want out of life, and maybe what we don't want anymore. But it's also a tempting time to kind of jump ship, you know, not, <laughs> not literally, but just kind of say, well, you know, do I really need to push this hard? And so what is your... um What is your advice for someone who's maybe hit their stride in their career? Maybe they're midlife; they've kind of lost their passion, or they don't know if they want to continue or if it's worth the big push. What would you say to someone in that situation?
1: Mm. Life is a gift, and I know, folks, this is cliche, but I'll tell you that if you were to wake me up two AM in the morning. say hey Divya this person needs your support and wake up with no qualms and of course my body would rebel and like have some acidity issues and all that but that said it's about that drive. it's about something that lights you up that's something that gets you out of the bed so I will say if your mojo has flattened if you have reached that flattened line it's time to rediscover yourself. It's time to go back and see what excites you, what drives you, what will fill your heart that you are showing up in your life for yourself and you are showing up with energy and enthusiasm for others. And folks, one of the things I'll find that is that really does it is an impact. And I'm going to go back to the brain is that there are four different circuits So this has been said by Richard, one of the known neuroscientists, and there is a one circuit for helping others. I will strongly, strongly urge you, see how you could help somebody else. And when that focus shifts from me to we, and folks probably you have heard me speak this before, but I always said that flip that down M. And when you flip that M, you'll find that it becomes from me to we. So for example, One of my calls from past several months is that every month, just find one hour of time. It could be when you're going on that walk, smile at people. Okay, I smiled at people for like, you know, five minutes today. Next day, somebody is is at the grocery store. Speak nicely to that grocer, you know, who's been standing in the line for the whole day rather than rushing out, oh gosh, you know what? He or she's taking so much time to bag my groceries to look at others and when you shift that focus from me to we folks think about it we are here only as the caretakers of this planet we got to live this leave this planet for the generations to come better what could you do find your passion like you know it could be mentoring somebody in your company it could be finding out that okay if this job is not something that has become so much of a routine maybe change ships. Like you said, jump ships. It's about rediscovering your life. Life is so precious, folks. Show up for yourself. Show up for others. And say, yes, I'm ready to go all in.
0: I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people tend to work for money instead of for their heart. And, you know, we have to in a certain degree because we've set our system up this way. And so we're all, all playing that game, but I think that the that find your passion and living for your heart is a drive should be a driving force in all of our lives. So thank you for sharing that. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today, Divya, and I wish you the best of luck. How can people find you? Well, folks, you can reach out to me at
1: entrepreneur.diviaparek.com, and you can find my books on Amazon. Uh, one of the books I'll highly recommend if you're an entrepreneur is The Entrepreneur's Garden. Surprisingly, it was still a bestseller after four years, recently kind of peeked into it. And another book is Expert to Influencer. And this is not, (laughs) here's what I'll share with you all folks. This book, Expert to Influencer, is not a book where I'm going to teach you how to have large number of likes or engagement with people. It's going and becoming that influencer from the heart, finding your passion and drive So the questions that you have asked me, Leah, about how to find that mojo and step into it. And so Mindfulness Entrepreneur's Garden, an expert to influencer is the book. And one thing I'll share, folks, money is an idea. Money is an energy. When you do what you love, money follows. And I'll tell you, I have got so many arms in my business where I just give back for giving and giving using them as lost leaders, and surprisingly, without any intention of putting it, it comes around. What goes around does come around because you are building a relationship with other people and money is just an idea.
0: Thank you, Leah, for having me. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. And again, if you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating, a review, share it with your friends. And uh, all the, the links will be in the notes and we will see you next week.